We believe in functional mental wellness, a holistic approach to mental health. We know that there's hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created the Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We believe whether you call it God, the universe, source, unity, or love, that there is something much greater than us that conspires for our good. We envision a world of healing and connection, and we teach you simple but powerful practices that integrate your mind, body, and spirit so that you can come home to your highest self and your truest identity. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. My name is Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister, Lena, we will take you on a journey of healing and self-discovery. So welcome back to the Universe is Your Therapist podcast. I am Dr. Amy Hoyt. I am Lena Hoyt. And we are super excited to be back. And today we're going to be actually talking about numbing behaviors. So one of the things that happens to us when we have trauma is afterwards, because we're trying to avoid feelings that we've deemed are negative or painful or hard, we start participating in activities that may distract us from those feelings. And so um, today we're going to talk about some of those, the ways that we do distract ourselves from the pain or the quote unquote negative feelings that we don't want to feel that we associate with our past trauma and look at some ways that we can deal with it. And we prefer to use the term adaptive coping mechanisms and maladaptive coping mechanisms. Um, we, we know that when we're kind to ourselves and we take the judgment out of it, we're able to uh, change, essentially. So what are some numbing behaviors, Lena, that come to mind for you? There are so many. Um, I know that there are several that I engage in. Um, my preferred numbing behavior is reading. And I was working with one of my teenagers one time. And said, he said to me, don't, don't you ever watch TV or, or movies? And I said, no, I just read. He's looked at me and he said, have you ever thought you might be addicted to reading? And I said, <laughs> I said, yes, I have thought that. So that's one of my preferred mechanisms. Um, and then there's so many others like being busy all the time, workaholism, that kind of thing. So those are some of the things that I do. How about you? Well, I have done a lot of different numbing behaviors over my life, <laughs> and some I have been able to uh, overcome. So the first one that kind of landed me in this healing process was when I was a kid, as you remember, and I turned to alcohol and drugs in order to suppress those memories because I was <clears throat> having flashbacks. Um, and so that was the easiest way for me to numb out and to not have to feel. And so, um, as Lena knows, and many of you know, I've been in recovery for a long time since I was 18, but I ended up in rehab, uh, at 18 in the middle of my senior year of high school. And I was so angry, but that was the best thing that ever happened. So that was my first numbing behavior. <laughs> And I still have to, of course, be careful um, of not 
avoiding my feelings for too long because then I start fantasizing about if I could just have one drink or I'm probably just like everyone else and I could probably handle one glass of wine and so I start to justify to myself. The other numbing behavior that's really common for me is food and mm. eating when I'm stressed or when I'm celebrating or when I'm happy or when I'm sad, but specifically to numb out uh, from those feelings that are, they can be very overwhelming. I would say eating is another one. And then scrolling. Scrolling is a huge one on social media, on you know, travel websites, whatever your scrolling passion is, whatever your drug of choice is online. Um, and for me, it can be travel websites and it can be um, social media. So those are the some, some of them that come to mind. We do know that with trauma, um, the most common is over drinking and that alcohol is very, very common with those of us who are trying to avoid those feelings associated with our trauma. So we, we're going to be doing an episode about how do we know if we're over drinking. But for this one, um, I think some of the other ones for trauma are, um, I mean, I don't know. What are some other ones that you think are more common? Because I know the research shows that alcohol is one of the most common. Well, I love that you brought up food because that's also something that I struggle with as well, uh, using that as a maladaptive coping behavior to numb emotions. Um, there are so many. I think um, anything that we use as a distraction that can be imbalanced is something that we can look at as a potential for a maladaptive coping mechanism. So socializing. Um, going to bars, um, overworking, working out excessively, becoming hyper-focused on one aspect of our life. Any of those things can work as maladaptive coping mechanisms to help us avoid the body sensations and the memories that occur after trauma. And a lot of times, these things will look fantastic to other people. Other people will say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how much you get done in a day. Or they'll say, wow, you read so much. I don't know how you do it. That type of thing. And so sometimes the maladaptive coping mechanisms that we use aren't maladaptive in and of themselves. It's the imbalance that happens with those maladaptive coping mechanisms. I think that's a really good point. And I think it would probably really benefit our listeners if we could define adaptive versus maladaptive. So when I think of adaptive, I think of something that's leading to my benefit that isn't harmful and that ultimately isn't going to get in the way of thriving emotionally, physically, spiritually. When I think of maladaptive, I think of something that's going to thwart my progress or my health. And by health, I mean physical, mental, or spiritual health. What, what do you think of when you think of those two terms? I always go back to my ninth grade science class, biology. 
And I remember learning the scientific terms, and I may not have them correct after 35 years. But what I remember learning is that maladaptive is something that ultimately will cause harm to the organism in some way, shape, or form. And adaptive uh, coping or behavior is something that allows the organism to extend its life, to thrive, to continue to grow. And the reason why I think it's so powerful to use those two terms is because, as you mentioned earlier, it takes the judgment out of it. And we all are just trying to figure out how to get through this life. The other thing um, that I think can be helpful is that there's always a good intention behind the the coping mechanisms, always, Um, including trying to stay away from overwhelming pain. And so if we understand that the intention is good, that the brain has found a less than optimal way of dealing with it through some type of avoidance, I think that can help us to see more clearly without judgment what what behaviors we're engaging in that are less adaptive. That's an excellent point. And I love your definition. And I also love... um this idea of finding balance, because really anything can be um, used as an avoidant tactic, right? Um, Okay, so let's, now that we've got that established, let's talk really briefly about how trauma, um, because you kind of touched on this, how we're we're really not going to judge what our behaviors have been to deal with it so far. And what is the, how do you teach your brain to go from maladaptive to adaptive? Like, how do we make that switch? That's a really great question. And what it brings up for me is connection. And if we are engaging in behaviors that allow us to connect to ourselves and to others and to a higher power, then those behaviors are going to be adaptive. And if we have found behaviors that have helped us to avoid the pain, one thing that you and I have talked about quite a bit in recent months is the capacity to feel or experience just a little bit at a time so that we're not overwhelming the nervous system, but that we are practicing widening our ability or our window of tolerance so that we can experience some things in short periods so that our brain starts to create new neural pathways that are less frightening and easier to accomplish. And so I was watching a training video yesterday about trauma and Dr. Gabor Mate was the the trainer And he talked about being able to be in your body for just short amounts of time so that you can become accustomed to receiving information from your body. Now, those of us who have had tremendous physical or sexual trauma, that seems impossible a lot of times. And so 
finding a way to do that that is possible for possible for us to widen our window of tolerance yes so that we're learning how to stay in our body longer and longer periods of time thank you yes so i was thinking about having somebody that you trust very present with you and keep track of the time so maybe you start for 15 seconds or 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes. And then that person who's with you, who's supporting you through that, can help you with a healthy re, um, reconnection with the present once that time is over. Because so many times when we try to do something like this, we become overwhelmed and flooded, and then we can't get back to the present. Okay, so what I'm hearing, and I like that explanation a lot, what I'm hearing is a very common uh, maladaptive tool that we use is to dissociate right. from our body. So we separate mentally from our physical body, and that's where you get the high tolerance to pain. That's where you get uh, losing time. Um, all sorts of, I'm just trying to make sure that listeners understand what dissociation means because when, before I started studying it, I thought it was when you somehow were looking down on your body. Oh, you okay. So disassociated or dissociated that you separated and you were aware of that separation to where you felt separate. And what mm. I've learned through um, my research and through my experience on this healing journey is that it doesn't have to be that dramatic. <laughs> In fact, I've been dissociating a lot of my life without realizing it. Mm -hmm. All the times I've been driving and then realized I'm in the next town because I missed my exit. Um, because I'm thinking about the past or I'm thinking about the future and being anxious about what's going on, I'm definitely not paying attention. So that's also a very benign example. But something like um, not knowing when you've cut yourself, that's also another very benign example of not feeling our bodies. And that's very common where we have a bruise or a cut. I mean, how many of us have been bleeding and, and don't realize or remember where we cut ourselves? And so clearly it doesn't mean everyone who does that has trauma they're avoiding, but there is a disconnection between the body and the mind that um, quite frankly, our society really promotes with overworking over drinking, over scrolling. I mean, the reason that, you know, Dr. Lemke wrote Dopamine Nation that just came out in December is because we're a nation of addicts addicted to pretty much anything. And it's creating some pretty massive imbalances in our brain. So dissociation doesn't have to be this floating feeling where you're looking down at your body. And when we dissociate, we are not able to stay in the present 
with our feelings that the trauma is bringing up, whether it's unworthiness or pain or we're not able to meet those feelings because we're too busy trying to escape them. That's lovely. And is that what you're saying that Dr. Mate was saying that then we want to practice staying in our body? Right. Yes. Okay, because and the more we're in our body, the more we're able to realize when we're not in our body. Yes, it sets up a, a different type of awareness. And awareness is one of the keys to change. Um, if we don't have awareness, then we don't have the capacity to even know that something would be beneficial for us to change. And um, the, the idea behind the adaptive and maladaptive, the other thing that I think is really clever about that is that it is very distinctive in terms of how behaviors, and these are behaviors, okay, how behaviors can be very soothing at the time, but then may end up in costing us, they may end up costing us down the road in our relationships or our health or that sort of thing. And when I'm drawing this out for clients on, on my whiteboard, I talk about how humans in general do not like feeling distress of any kind. We don't like feeling tired or sick. We don't like feeling um, hungry. And so when we have those sensations occur to us, it's much easier for us to, to um, suppress those or ignore those so that we can continue on with what society has deemed is beneficial or productive or exciting that that type of thing. Thank you for that. I I appreciate that explanation, and I'm really excited about um, Dr. Mate's training. Um, I know, you know, we've we've both taken a lot from Bessel van der Kolk, who's considered, you know, the father of trauma and traumatic studies in uh, really globally. And mm -hmm. so it's fun to see another expert come forward and and start doing training. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. What are some tips that we can give our listeners for staying in their body? Because I do believe that is, that's kind of the, the takeaway here is that the numbing behaviors can be minimized when we stay with the feelings we're trying to avoid. And we have to be in our body to do that. Right. Um, one, the, one of the things that we've talked about in the past is the concept of a body scan and the body scan being performed even once a day. The idea is that you get somewhere quiet where you have a couple of minutes, two to five minutes of quiet, and you go through and you check out what sensations you're experiencing in your body. Where do I feel discomfort? Where do I feel pain? Uh, what what is aching in my body? What is my body trying to tell me? And if we think about those body scans as ways of providing ourselves with additional information, it's our body trying to help us. And if we think about it that way, it may be a little less daunting to do 
And the body scan would be something that you do for just a few seconds to up to a minute. And you just pay attention without judging. And you just notice what is happening. You don't need to do anything with it. You don't need to fix it. You just notice without judgment. So is there any way we can do a body scan right now for listeners who have never heard our podcast before? Or, you know, I learned through a lot of repetition. So even someone who's heard the body scan episode before. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. All right. So what we'll do is we'll get into a comfortable position, somewhere quiet, and we'll close our eyes. If closing your eyes is too overwhelming, feel free to keep them open. And we're going to go ahead and take a couple of deep breaths as we get settled into our bodies. From there, we'll start with our toes. And as we notice our toes, perhaps we wiggle those and notice any information that's coming from our toes. And then we move up into the ball of our foot, the arch, the heel, and notice anything that is happening in our body in the area of our foot. Again, we're just noticing without judgment. From there, we'll go ahead and move up through the ankle into the calf and notice anything that's occurring in that part of your body. Is your calf tight or loose? Is it comfortable? From there, we'll move to our knee. Pay attention to what information you may be getting from your knee right now. Our knees bear so much of the burden of our existence. And sometimes those can ache. Oftentimes, people will have injuries to their knee or their knees. And just tune into that and see if there's any part of your knee that has information from you, for you. We'll move up from there into the thigh area, into the hamstrings. And we'll pay attention to any information that may be coming to you through the hamstrings. As we move up the front of the upper leg, we will pay attention to any discomfort or pain or any sensation that we may be experiencing. We are only noticing without judgment and we are gathering information We move from there into our pelvis and hip area and see if there's any information for us there. With the amount of sitting that we do in our work day, 
that is a common area of discomfort. And just notice where in that region you may be experiencing tightness or discomfort. From there, we'll move up into the hips. And in the hips, we will notice anything that is a felt sense. Moving into the torso, to the belly, up through the waist, up towards your diaphragm. And take a couple of deep breaths. And see if you can notice your lungs and your torso and your diaphragm and it, the movement of those parts of your body. Focus your attention then on your lower shoulders, the upper torso, the area that connects your shoulders and your neck to your torso. And notice any information that the body has for you in that area. Any discomfort in the muscles around your shoulders or your neck or the muscles in your chest area. Noticing anything that can be used as helpful information from your body. We'll move up through our neck and shoulders now and into our throat, noticing any sensation that may be present there. Without judgment, with benevolent curiosity, just learning to pay attention. Nothing needs to be done. We're just noticing. From there, we'll move up into our face, to our jaw, the muscles in our face, around our lips, our cheeks, our brows, and our forehead. Notice any wrinkling of the forehead or any drawing of the brow, contraction of muscles there. And then move into the top and sides of your head. And notice if you have any tension in those areas. As we wrap up the exercise, take a moment to thank your body for being willing to communicate with you. Appreciating the fact that we heal when we have information from all the different parts of us. And go ahead and take a couple of deep breaths. And open your eyes when you're ready.
is awesome. Great. I noticed quite a (laughs) I noticed quite a few things myself in my own body. That's wonderful. Thank you. So one of the things as you were talking, Lane, is I realized that um I mainly do this at night when I'm laying in bed because I can't figure out why I'm not falling asleep and then I'll realize that my (laughs) jaw and my shoulders are up. I'm laying down and I'll have to just let my body relax. So for any, you know, of our listeners, feel free to use this tool at night before you fall asleep as well. And Amy, I love that you felt relaxed and I think the key to that is being able to notice without any kind of criticism or judgment and just using that information as um, another piece of the puzzle for us on our healing journey. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, for me, I'm definitely a doer and a fixer. And so I'm thinking, oh, as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to go roll out my right hip. <laughs> <laughs> so, but not because I'm being judgmental of that hip. Just <laughs> because you're I noticing. realized it was hurting. Right. That's lovely. I got so, my roller to hand as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, so to wrap up this episode, we really want to let our listeners know that we all have maladaptive coping mechanisms, whether we've had little trauma, you know, little T trauma, big T trauma, uh, no trauma, just simply, you know, maybe you're part of the 30 of Americans that haven't had trauma and you are so lucky. Um, But if you found us, you're probably in our camp where you've had some stuff. So we want you to know that any of the things you've done to get to this point and stay alive are great. And if there's anything that you're finding that's not leading to your, your best self or you're thriving, there's things that can be done. You don't have to do them today, but just start by kind of recognizing um, what you're using as adaptive and what you're using as maladaptive when those feelings are coming up. Anything else you want to say, Lane? No, that was lovely. We wish all of you well and hope that you will continue to find your way in this journey to better health and happiness. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to go deeper on this subject or any other subjects we've covered in the podcast, we are so excited to be launching our signature membership program at MendingTrauma.com. This is a trauma-informed mental health membership where we combine clinically effective practices, courses, and mentoring while putting you in the driver's seat. We teach you how to heal your trauma with the latest research combining mind, body, and spirit. We want to walk you through a healing journey while also empowering you. If you have felt this episode is helpful, we would absolutely love if you would go to Apple Podcasts 
podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods and give us a review. We'd also love it if you would share it with someone you think it might help. Tag us on social media at mendingtrauma.com or at Amy Hoyt PhD. We would love to reshare. And also, if there's anything we can do to help, we would love to hear from you. Email info at mendingtrauma.com. Give us your suggestions or topics you want to hear about. We would absolutely love to be of more service to you. We're so excited because we have so many good episodes coming up in season two, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you.